George Marley was 85 years old and had been a faithful Christian all his life. His wife had died several years ago and George lived alone. Old age was reducing George's ability to do certain things. His family wanted him admitted to a nursing home, but George refused to do that. And then one day, George suffered a heart attack and was rushed to the hospital. Doctors did everything that they possibly could, but they could see that George was going to die. A call was quickly placed to George's family. They were told that their father didn't have long to live, so they better hurry to the hospital. The two sons and daughter rushed to George's bedside. And there they found their father unconscious in the intensive care unit. It was difficult for them to see their father like that. They called their preacher to come and stand with them. When the preacher got the call to come to the hospital, he wasted no time in getting there. George had been a good church member for a long, long time. The preacher asked the hospital receptionist for directions to the intensive care unit. He ran to the elevator and took it to the third floor. And reaching the third floor, the preacher sprinted down the hall. He pushed the intensive care unit doors and ran to the nurse's desk. The nurse told him that he could find George in unit three. Upon entering the unit, the preacher found George with his three children, their wives and four grandchildren gathered around the bed and grasped. Uh, and so uh, he walked up to the bed and grasped one of uh, George's hands. The preacher started to pray for George and suddenly George opened his eyes. He smiled because he was glad to see his pastor. However, he was unable to speak. George's family began to weep for they could sense that their aged father was indeed dying. As the preacher stood next to the bed, old George's condition seemed to deteriorate right before their eyes. He motioned frantically for something to write on and the preacher handed him a pen and a piece of paper and old George used his last bit of energy to scribble a note. Then he handed the note to the preacher. Now the preacher thought it was best not to look at the note at that time, so he placed it in his jacket pocket, and a few moments later, George died. At the funeral, as he was finishing his message, the preacher realized that he was wearing the same jacket that he was wearing when George passed away. He said to the people gathered there at the funeral home, you know, old George handed me a note just before he died. I haven't looked at it, but knowing George, I'm sure there's a word of inspiration there for us all. And so he opened the note and he read to the congregation, hey, you're standing on my oxygen tube. <laughs> you know, when I read this story, it made me think. It caused me to ponder if I was in a spot like that, not with somebody standing on my uh, oxygen tube, but if, there were, if I was there at that moment 
And all I had left was enough strength to write one last note to my kids. What would I say? What, what would it be? What would I like to pass on to my children as my most important admonition to them? What words could I leave them that would continue to help them the most long after I was gone? What would those words be? And I think I have found just the right words in the scripture lesson this morning. I think I would share the dying words of David to his son, Solomon. Before he died, he had some very important final words for the new king, his son, Solomon. And even though he was a man who had defeated many enemies, he couldn't avoid death. David wrote the 23rd Psalm. And we learn from the 23rd Psalm that death wasn't an enemy to him. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He would have to walk through that valley, but David could do so with assurance and faith because he knew that the great shepherd would be with him. If we truly are Christians, death should not be something that we dread. It's a doorway through which we step from this earth into heaven and everlasting life. We're set free from sin, sorrow, sickness, and death. In heaven, we're going to live in the presence of God, and we're going to be with all those people that we've looked forward to seeing again. Heaven is a place more beautiful than anything here on earth, and knowing that should give us great comfort David had no fear of dying. He had faith in the goodness and blessing of God. He had known it in his life for so long, and it was toward the end of his life that he penned the uh, 23rd Psalm. At the very end, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And they had and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Embedded in his Psalms are predictions of what the Lord was going to do for him. He foretold the crucifixion and the resurrection uh, of his descendant, Jesus. The Lord revealed so much to David because David walked close to him. He's the only one that's, that God refers to as a man after my own heart. I have found at least five places in Scripture where God testifies this about David. And uh, the thing is, how that must have humbled and thrilled David at the same time. He knew his several greats grandson was going to ultimately be his savior. He had already walked with him. And the thing is, he wasn't worried about himself. He knew God was going to take care of him.
He knew that God would keep his word about his Savior because God has kept his word about so many things in his life before. He knew God kept his promises. David was, as we all must do, about to leave his family and people that he was concerned about in the Lord's hands. And so he wants to encourage them to follow the one that he had followed. And so Solomon is summoned to his father's bedside. And the advice that David offered was both spiritual and practical. Now, this is what David told his son. I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. David assured his son that there's only one way to expect to be blessed by the Lord. First of all, he tells his son Solomon to keep the charge of the Lord your God. As I thought of that, I remembered there's one line in a hymn, and it reminds us that we all have a charge from the Lord. A charge to keep have I, a God to glorify, a never dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. God has given each of us as human beings a charge. He's entrusted us with a life that he has designed to be lived in a certain way. And if we keep that charge, then we can expect goodness from God. Walking with the Lord and keeping God's word was the only way that he could count on it. Now then, if we would honor Almighty God, then his kingdom was going to endure. Following giving those words, David died. But just look at them. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. How do you do that? He tells Solomon what he needs to do. First of all, walk in his ways. His ways. So many of us walk in our ways and try to get God to bless them. But it says walk in his ways. And how do you do that? By doing these three things, or four things. I'm not counting good today. Number one, keep his statutes. Two, keep his commandments. Three, keep his judgments. Four, keep his testimonies. Now, many people just want to lump those all together and just say, do God's will. But the thing is, whenever you really look at it, it's amazing the intricacy of it. Because you see, first of all, we have his commandments. You start with 10 commandments. We're supposed to keep those. Those are the commandments. Then 
there are those things that we might be uncertain of as to what those commandments really are about when it says thou shalt not kill. What's he really talking about? And that's when you get into the statutes. The statutes we see later on in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus, where it extrapolates, where it expands what those things are and how you handle each different situation involving different types of immorality, uh, types of dilemmas that you could find yourself in, even in trying to keep the law or uh, whenever things do go wrong and someone hasn't kept the law with you. They're statutes. When I was uh, in claims, whenever that was my profession, I had to know the law backwards and forwards in a lot of different civil areas. And there would be a basic law governing, say, a contract, an insurance contract. But then there would be all these different variations. On, and these things had to go to court and then what do they call them? They didn't call them precepts. Uh, oh, there's a word. Whenever uh, a, uh, a, a, uh, a standard was set and uh, it would be recorded, judgments would be made by the courts, and these would set a precedent. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for, precedent. And so these precedents would be there, and uh, all these precedents and all these court rulings were recorded in law books, and uh, I would have to go and find a place where I could access Vernon's annotated civil statutes. I mean, it was just book after book after book, and I would have to pour through those and uh, analyze what was going on in, in relation to the contract, to the law. But you see, there was the law... And then there were the statutes that gave more clarification to the laws. And then there were judgments and then there were testimonies. Now, the testimonies are where in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God makes it clear what he expects of you. Actually, the Ten Commandments are considered the testimony of God. The Ark of the Covenant was often referred to as the Ark of of the testimony because it was one of those things where God just spoke directly to us and told us what he expected of us. There are different times when God testifies about himself, about what he wants from us, what he doesn't like that we do. Those are what's meant by the testimonies. And it's all there in the Bible. You know, B-I-B-L-E, some people have made that into an acronym. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Okay? It's our instruction manual. It's the directions for putting this life together in the proper order. Now, I've read countless reports of persecuted Christians in prisons and oppressed areas cherishing just bits and pieces of the Bible because it's God's word. They loved him. And this was a word from him to them. And sometimes prisoners would gather together and they would share their scraps, maybe a page 
It would be a treat to have a whole page. It may be a quarter of a page. But somehow they would have guarded and kept these scraps and they would cherish them. They would read them. They weren't good luck talismans or anything like that. They were God's word and every bit of it that they could get. They relished it. They contemplated it. They meditated on it. It's so precious to them. And yet so many people today, they just take it and they put it on a shelf. And maybe they dust it every now and then. Maybe they'll pick it up looking for something sometime. But these people, they consider it precious because and they have laid their life on their line for their God. David had grown to be known as a man after God's own heart. And he is one of the few people that the Lord refers to in that way. David loved the Lord, and because of that, he loved God's Word. He loved God's Word because it helped him to know and understand his Creator and to know what he should do to please the one he loved. He loved God's Word, and he adhered to it. And we discovered that the more he adhered to it, the more it proved to be true and the more it proved to be beneficial in his life. When he deviated from it, he learned that there were consequences. The greatest benefit he discovered was to know God's presence in his life. The greatest consequence to David is made clear in the Psalms was to have that presence withdrawn when he didn't know God's presence in his life. Now, you know, you don't have to read the Bible to be saved, but it helps in so many ways. And whether you do or don't really reveals a lot about your esteem of the Lord. I thought of this last night. Men, what if on the day of your marriage, after the ceremony was over and things had settled down and you were just settling down in your married life to a daily routine. Your wife presented you with a book that she had written just for you entitled All About Me. And in this book, she bared her very heart and soul. In reading this book, you're going to find what is important to her and what is not what she likes and what she abhors, what she hopes her husband will be like and how she plans to bless him. It contains her fears, her hopes, her dreams, and it's thick. She started writing it long ago with her future husband in mind and continued it till the day she married you. She poured much of her time and herself into this book so that you two can have an unimaginably deep and intimate relationship, the deepest love ever known between a man and a woman. She loves you and she hopes you'll read it. Suppose you smiled and you took that book and you put it on the shelf 
and you never picked it up again. What would that tell her about your love for her? She had laid it all out and you just turned your back on it. Yeah, she'd committed to you. She's going to stay with you. But don't you know that every time she sees that book on the shelf, it breaks her heart? Because every time she sees that book on the shelf, it's saying, I don't care enough about you to open it and see what's important to you. Wow. Well, yes, you can be saved without reading the Bible. But how much richer will your walk with him be if you do? David read the instructions and he found them to be beneficial in his relationship with his Lord and also in his life. And he wants his son to experience and enjoy the joy and success in life that can only come from the most personal of relationships with God. The Psalms are filled with love notes from David to the Lord. One of them is Psalm 119, which we read this morning. Uh, we just uh, one pay one ver well one chapter of it, I guess you could say. But it goes very, very far, much, much farther than that. It is one of the longest psalms there is. And every one of them extols the wonderful joy that David has found in his Lord and in his word. And I just wanted to read one. Let's see, we read the first section there. And in the second section, uh, you were asking earlier, Joan, what Aleph and Beth and Daleth and uh, Gimel meant. Those are the letters of the alphabet in the Hebrew alphabet. And so this psalm is broken into sections, section A, B, C, D. And it goes on through the Hebrew alphabet. That's what those, those are. And I want to read Beth to you right now. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. You see, he's talking to the Lord God. With all my heart, I have sought you. Remember, he's a man after God's own heart. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. He doesn't want to offend his God because he loves him. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Just one after another, he expresses his commitment to learning more and more about his Lord from his word. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies as it is written, that you may, be, that you may prosper 
in all that you do and wherever you turn. These dying words from the one man who's designated as the man after God's own heart, these are the words that if I had only a moment before I died to scratch out on a piece of paper for my children, it would be these. And hopefully my life at that point in time would have been a testimony to the truth of these words. How about you? What would you put on that scrap of paper? May we all strive to be like David, men and women after God's own heart. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we know that your way is the best way. Just as David knew that, help us all to be men and women after your own heart. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.